What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome. This is a special Christmas edition of Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Attic Channel. I'm Adam Best, here with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and our amazing producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. How you doing, Sterling? I'm good, man. I played 18 holes holes of golf today. It was great. Winter golf, uh, phenomenal. Uh, Played decent. Didn't lose any money. Things are good. What's the weather like there in, in KC? It was about 52, pretty windy, uh, partly cloudy, but not too bad, man. It was not too bad at all. It sounds totally manageable to me. I'm not much of a golfer, but, you know, you got to love when the elements cooperate. So we've got a festive show planned for you guys today. We're going to get right into it because it could kind of be sort of a long one. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Christmas time, I know in my house, we have an advent calendar, my wife, loves kind of counting down the days uh, or up the days, I guess, from one to 25. And she has these little calendars where you open it and there's a little chocolate inside, but you, you don't know what's going to be in there. It's a, it's a mystery and it's a lot of fun. And I thought, well, why don't we do that with the Chiefs roster? I love Ranking. it. Yeah, yeah. I love this. And uh, everything's going to be a surprise. It's kind of going to be a reverse from 25 to one instead of one to 25. Eventually, the last one will be Christmas. Number two will be Christmas Eve. We'll see who who gets those honors. Um, and then twenty five is is you know not to make anyone feel bad, but they're kind of the least valuable contributor this season. I'm going to rattle this list off. I've prepared some stats to kind of back up where I've placed these guys. Sterling is going to chip in with his points and counterpoints. He always has them. They're always good. Uh, we like to mix it up and. And sometimes argue. Hopefully, we won't agree too much. Occasionally, well, that happens. It's a holiday spirit, man. I'm not going to get into you too much. True, true. Well, we've got four guys who I'm considering basically incomplete, if you think of this as a report card. Brian Cook, the injury took him kind of off the board. FAU, we just have not seen enough of FAU. Wanye Morris looks good so far, but kind of just getting started at left tackle. And then Shamari Connor, who also looks incredible, uh, really seems like a hell of a find by Brett Veach, another diamond in the rough defensive back, if you will. But I don't think he's played enough to give him a formal ranking here. So let's just jump in with the Arrowhead Addict Advent Calendar. That's a bit of a tongue twister there. At 25, and this is a tie, I don't think it's going to surprise anybody. It is wide receivers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Toney. EPA per target. Sky Moore is seventh worst among all receivers. Kadarius Toney, 19th worst. And then NVS has the fifth lowest target rate in the league. I mean, he's the king of the cardio club. What else can we say? Uh, Do you agree with this group? 
kind of bringing up the rear. Hey, by, by the way, I'm assuming that we're not doing backups, right? Because there's a couple of glaring omissions on on the on the 25. We're these are mainly guys that really play. Okay, okay, that 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 answers my question. Because if this is gonna be the bottom, then then yes, uh, yeah. With those three guys, it's not one, not two, but three scoops of ass. That's what you're getting in your stocking. Open up, pal. Uh, they're brutal. They've been horrendous this season. I've been very high on Sky. Uh, I was very wrong. Kadarius Tony, I think everyone was wrong on. Whether the Chiefs actually believed he was a wide receiver one, if that was just pandering to the fan base. Either way, he's not even a wide receiver two nor three. He's been atrocious. Uh, and then MVS has regressed. It's crazy, man. Like, MVS has never been the guy. He's never been a dude. But he's always been solid enough, right? You always knew for how inconsistent he has been. He's a consistent inconsistent, right? End of the season, you look up, oh, 650 yards, a few great games here and there. This year, it's been nothing of the sort. So, yes, sorry, coal in their stockings. Yeah, it's deserved. You hate to go there, but the three of them combined have less yards on the season than rookie Rasheed Rice, who had to really very slowly win over his head coach, more on him later. Let's move on to number 24. That is defensive tackle Derek Nottie. It's just easy to see that he's a diminished player from what he once was. He's a sieve out there. Uh, I feel like he's one of the worst run-stopping defensive tackles in the league at this point, which is sad because he has uh, one of the longest tenures on this roster. And in the past, he's been a dependable player. The regression of a couple guys, and we're seeing it with Derek Nottie, right? He's a guy who his first couple years, you thought, okay, solid dude. And then all of a sudden, last year was brutal. And then this year, he started off strong. We thought, okay, maybe he's back, but he's really tapered off. They're trying anything. Mike Pinnell is now starting to get snaps alongside Chris Jones. Derek Nottie is clearly not the answer. There's not much more to say here. I feel for him. That's got to be hard, you know, taking on double teams and just being there in the trenches and absorbing all that contact. But, hey, that's what you get paid for, man. Number 23, cornerbacks Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. This is another tie. They're kind of in the same boat here. It's not a major sophomore slump, but I, I think they're playing a step down from last season, which isn't that surprising. I mean, both those guys for rookies played out of their freaking minds last year, and, and they've been fine especially considering they are CB3 and CB4, uh, just don't think they've been as good. What is interesting with those two guys specifically is, you, you mentioned a little bit of a sophomore slump. I don't think they've been bad, but I don't think they've, they've been good. They've been fine. They've been serviceable. And in the grand scheme of things, that's all you want when you have a seventh rounder in Jalen Watson and a fourth rounder in Joshua Williams. I guess for me personally, I thought Williams, you might see a little bit of a uh, nice progression, right? You know, he was going to be a little bit of a toolsier cornerback. We haven't quite seen that this year, but the Chiefs, quite frankly, haven't needed him to be that type of guy. Um, you know, hopefully Jerry Sneed stays here forever, so we're not going to put that into existence. But whatever happens post, if he's not here, that's going to boost Joshua Williams or one of these guys into a more major role. Are they up for that? Because they're good and serviceable in a limited action type of situation. But full-time, I might have my concerns. Yeah, on a positive note, they're not very noticeable out there, right? They're not making huge mistakes. They're not making huge game-altering uh, turnovers. Jalen Watson, I understand the regression. He's kind of an intangibles, smart, technique-sound player. And it just was obvious that he probably was going to take a minor step back because he was just playing out of his mind. As I said, with Joshua Williams, it's, it's a tad bit disappointing because he was drafted higher. And like you said, the tools, uh, he is a big, fast, rangy corner who you would hope could develop into uh, kind of one of these guys like Charvarius Ward on the boundary just hasn't manifested as of yet but there is still time. Yeah, Javarius Ward was actually my comp for him. That was um, a very astute observation there, Best, I think a lot of the intangibles, the tangibles, um, 
you know, kind of smaller schools, if you will, the bigger bodied, maybe doesn't get your head turned as much as you'd like, maybe not quite the ball skills, but the, the ability to stick with bigger bodied guys, um, I think was there. Let's move on to number 22, and that is linebacker Willie Gay. And this is a hard one, but he makes flash plays. He's solid against the run. He's a little bit of a liability in pass coverage, if we're being honest. 104.3 passer rating allowed, and PFF isn't everything, but their coverage grade of him is 44.8. It's it's pretty bad, and I, I think the thing about Willie is when he makes mistakes, as opposed to those last two guys, you do kind of see it. You, he, he's a, he reminds me a lot of Devin White in Tampa, where he is such a great athlete that sometimes you notice these spectacular plays but down in, down out, he's kind of wildly inconsistent. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the first one where I have more of an issue with. I think he should be higher, lower. I think 22 is a little too low for him. I'd probably have more like 17 or 18. Um, nothing drastic, but I think Willie Gay Jr. has been a little bit better. I, I think he started off very strong. Right. The contract year undefeated. He started off really strong. I, I was like, man, Chiefs are not going to be able to afford to keep Willie Gay Jr. He has tapered off in recent weeks. Some of that does come from the fact that he's had to play a lot more with Drew Tranquil out and then also with Nick Bolton out. Right. He's been thrust into that. Um, I think he's still a very good player. I, but this recent stretch where he's have to where he's had to be the guy might be too much for him. He might be more of that rotational, um, the third linebacker on a team, right? Especially mm-hmm. a team like Kansas City doesn't play a lot of base 4-3. Um, that's my only concern I would have, I guess. I, I think 22 is a little too low for him. It's a tough exercise. Someone has to be at 22. And I think one of the interesting things about him and someone who's coming up a few spots later uh, I'll surely get in trouble for that one as well, is, is that uh, when when Brian Cook and Nick Bolton and, and Drew Tranquil, for that matter, went out, I feel like our linebacker room and safety room have been getting picked on. You see a lot of tight end, a lot of tight end passes, a lot of running back dump offs. I mean, you think about Hunter Henry last week, you think about James Cook in the Buffalo game and on and on and on. Uh, I, I think that's the, the root of the problem. 100% agree. You've seen it with Green Bay. You saw with Hunter with Hunter Henry. They've attacked the middle of the field. I love angry drunken German says, why does Sterling look like an inmate when he shaves? Yeah, apparently I look better with a mustache. I don't know. I was trying to look good for the holiday season, but apparently I look atrocious. Uh, KCDC says Eminem. Uh, I like that too. It was, I was golfing. Okay. It's cold outside. I had to rock the beanie. Shout out it's- Brown City Clothing. You know, a bean, a beanie, and it's uh, it's orange. Orange makes people think of prison jumpsuits. Maybe that's what it is. Burnt orange, one of my favorite colors. Hook'em fun, fact, fun, fun fact for you, burnt orange, one of my favorite colors, yeah. Hook'em horns, you know, Jamal Charles, Derek Johnson, great, great history of, of longhorns for the uh, – No, 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 take this guy. Come on now. Don't don't, don't be doing that now. No, don't hey, be man, bringing Texas now. I spent 15 years in Austin, so I've got a little bit of a soft spot for uh, – for those guys, and they've given us some great players. Priest Holmes, we didn't even mention Priest Holmes. So uh, the Longhorn to uh, Chief Pipeline is is alive and well. Uh, let's move on to number 21, wide receiver Justin Watson. I think you got to give this guy credit because he is – I think it would be generous to call him a wide receiver three type. He's more of a wide receiver four-ish masquerading as a wide receiver two out of necessity because Mahomes just flat out does not trust Tony Sky Moore or MVS. And he does trust Justin Watson a little bit. Now Watson has occasionally let him down, but not nearly as much as those other guys. Yeah. 
it's funny, a guy who I think everyone wanted released, cut before the season started is now saying, wow, Justin Watson might be the second most reliant wide receiver on this team, reliable wide receiver on this team. Um, again, this is why Kansas City wanted Justin Watson and kept him over ISM. What he brings is the known. He's not electric. He's not the, the best wide receiver, but you know what he is. You have to be this tall to ride. He just crests that number, right? He, he's just that tall to ride. And quite frankly, he's, he's been pretty good this year. I mean, again, I'm not, he, he's not Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins, but he's been, <laughs> he's again, he is thrust into a role that's above him. And when he's done it, he's performed at a relatively high level. Now, you don't want him to be the wide receiver one. And that game where he had 11 targets clearly was too much for him. But when you give him five, four, three targets a game, um, I'm 100% cool with that. Yeah, and I, I ranked him here instead of lower because I'm considering not only positional value, but also draft capital and what your contract is. And I think Justin Watson is maybe one of two receivers that has actually exceeded his, his expectations since he's been in Kansas City. So you have to take that into consideration. Sky Moore, MVS, Kadarius Tony have definitely underwhelmed when it comes to what was sacrificed to get them on the roster. Number 20, offensive tackles, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith are tied here. You never want to see your tackles uh, this low when you have a $500 million quarterback. I Actually, more than that now. I guess I'd put it like this. They've been good enough to prevent a disaster, but disappointing. You know I was not high on Jawan Taylor when they got him. Not because of the skill set, but because of the money given to a right tackle. I've said this multiple times. I'll say it one more time quickly for those that do not know. Travis Kelsey is more valuable than a lot of wide receivers. But you don't pay Travis Kelsey like a wide receiver because the market doesn't dictate that. He's a tight end, right? You don't pay Jawan Taylor like a left tackle. I don't care that in today's NFL... Right tackle, left tackle, both are important. Both going up against the best of the best. I get that. But where's the market at? Market's not there yet. You don't want to be the team that resets that market. He's not Lane Johnson. Why are you giving him Lane Johnson money? It made no sense to me. He's a fine right tackle, an athletic right tackle. He's probably better, yes, than Andrew Wiley, but based on the cost analysis, is he? Based on the cost is he more valuable than Andrew Wiley? Probably not. The penalties are there. And then you look on the left side, penalties are definitely there. Yeah. The Chiefs decided to go with two of the most heavily penalized tackles in the NFL, thinking they would get fixed when they got here. We should have had more question, question marks ringing through our ears at that point because that wasn't going to be the case. Andy Reid has typically had a fairly heavily penalized team. So bringing in two heavily penalized tackles, what was the thought process there? I think they should be higher up, closer to 22, 23. They've been a mat with Juwan Taylor specifically here, have been a massive disappointment. Donovan Smith was a uh, cheap deal. He's a, he's a stopgap. We know that. I don't have as big of an issue with him just based on the contract given. Yeah, I'd use this analogy for Juwan Taylor. If you're buying the most expensive house on a street or in a neighborhood, you better be damn sure it's worth it. Right. And I, I think there was just no need to kind of overpay what the market found Jawan Taylor worth. Uh, I, I guess they were just so desperate for tackle help that they wanted to be sure. And kind of at least at the time, paying top of market worked with another lineman who we'll get to much later, uh, but it did not seem to work here. Next up, this was a hard one for me to rank on the heels of at least a top three game for running back Clyde Edwards-Elaire. If you strip away the sunk cost, trademark Sterling, he's a serviceable backup, right? Is that the right way to classify him now, like a good number three running back? Yeah, I, I want to see a little bit more, but I, I think I'm there. And 
he's not the fastest guy. He's not, he's not the quickest guy or the strongest guy, but he's a solid pass catcher. He can do a little bit of everything. He's looked more explosive uh, as he seemingly looks more again like Eddie Lacy. Like he's gotten a little bigger and somehow he looks better. Um, he's more decisive, I think, is what it actually is. He's not bouncing around back there as much. He seemingly is finding his spot and running straight through it. I like seeing that. This type of year, or this time of year, obviously in December, flipping the, the calendar to January, a lot of tired bodies. Everyone's banged up. He looks fresh and it's showing on the field. I'm I'm a huge fan of with Isaiah Pacheco coming back this week. Still have a nice rotation between all three guys. I think Clyde's earned it. It keeps Pacheco fresh for the playoff run. And obviously McKinnon is with his age and just previous track record. You're not going to give him and make him the bell cow. I like this three-headed attack and Clyde's part of it. Yeah, I think he's kind of learned vision. I think that is a skill that can be acquired over time with experience. The other thing is how banged up has he been? during his his era here in Kansas City. I think he's been pretty banged up now. I, I'm not a huge fan of his and and where he was picked, obviously. He's I mean, I, I always say this. You can be slow as a running back, you can be small as a running back. Being both is problematic. And to some extent he is both, but I think he he's a you know plays his guts out. And he's kind of finding his lane very late in his contract. No, I, I, I think you're, uh, you're right on there. The next one, I'm going to get myself in hot water here. I can already feel it. Safety, Justin Reed at 18. Hard hitter, very tough player, smart leader. But I think he's overrated against the run and struggles in, in coverage. Now, if you don't like PFF pass coverage grades or any PFF grades, he's 54.2 there. But I think the 101.9 passer rating allowed is, is more indicative of what's happening. And I, I think he gets picked on a little bit out there as, as a uh, pass coverage safety. And I feel like he's also often a step late. And because he makes flash plays and he might be the hardest hitter on the team along with Nick Bolton, he's really endeared himself to fans. So he's a tough guy to criticize. And he also has a lot of intangibles, right? Because he's clearly one at Stanford guy, clearly one of the smartest players on the defense. And you have to give him some credit for the communication back there. But I, I think he's the weak link. I think he's better than you think he is for, for some of, again, the intangibles. But, but yeah, I mean, he's... I don't know if 18 is that much of a stretch at all. He does get picked on in pass coverage. He's not Tyron Matthew back there, but he's the complete opposite, right? The Chiefs wanted to, to get a more physical safety, no more business decisions. And so that's what they did. Um, he, he sets the tone. Okay. He, he, he's a tone setter. Like if you think of the NBA terms, you had your enforcer. J Justin Reed's an enforcer, right? You're like, why is he on the, why is he on the field? He, he, we have better shooting somewhere else. Yeah, but come on. You're trying to you're trying to protect Michael Jordan here. You got Horace Grant over here. Come on now. Like Charles Oakley, for example. Justin Reed might be a little overpaid for safety. I think safety personally is not the uh, a position where I give a ton of money to, but the Chiefs did because they were trying to, again, get more physical. And I think it's permeated throughout this team, the physicality that Justin Reed brings, uh, the leadership that he brings. So again, yeah, some of the the... the Past coverage numbers aren't great, but I think he does more than just what you see on the field. Big shoes to fill with the Honey Badger. I know he made those business decisions, but in his first two years with the Chiefs, especially in coverage, he was playing at a Hall of Fame level, and he's been playing fantastic in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge Honey Badger guy, so I'm probably biased, but I just think it's a different type of player. And, and with the Honey Badger, you have more of a – I don't know, more of like an Ed Reed. And Justin Reed is more like a Jamal Adams, a box safety. And I do think for a team that struggled to tackle, it did make a little bit of sense to bring in a sure tackler and, and a hard hitter because that defense just, just really struggled in 21 to get people down to the ground. Yeah, they're trying to go from a finesse type of team to a more physical type of team. And you got to make some, some concessions somewhere.
17. A guy I like a lot, but I just couldn't put him any higher because he's sort of having an average year. And that is Tommy Townsend. Fun player. Talk about big shoes to fill uh, as a punter. I mean, his, you know, who he's replacing in Dustin Colquitt, uh, very hard act to follow, if you will. Uh, but Tommy Townsend's been a solid, solid punter. I don't know that this is his best season, but not a lot of shanks or anything. No. And he's got great hair. 17 seems right. He has uh, commercial worthy, worthy hair there, right? Golden, glorious locks. And it's hard to evaluate a punter. I mean, like this is, there, there aren't really any good stats to pull from. You just kind of watch over the season and get a feel for, is this guy, uh, you know, making more positive punts than negative ones. I will say last week he did pin, pin the uh, Patriots down basically on the, I don't know, inside the one foot line, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's again, he has grown a ton from his rookie season to where he just had a big leg and it was a lot of touchbacks and it just didn't seem to to have much control. He's grown a ton as a punter. I've been very impressed, but I do think this has not been his best year. Last year to me was so impressive. And I think Phantom 1090 is right here. Disappointing year for Townsend. Need more coffin corner kicks. Yeah, I mean, he's done fine, but he is certainly more capable than what he's doing this season. Number 16, linebacker Leo Chanel. I've been impressed with him. He's stout against the run. He's an excellent pass rusher. We're seeing him be deployed more like that. I think Chiefs fans hope for that because you look at his like relative athletic score and the guy is an absolute freak and a really good pass rusher, I think. And he hasn't been as bad as you'd expect against the pass. Um, I mean, thinking back to last year, he was a little bit of a disaster in coverage. I've been really impressed with him. What are your thoughts on on Leo? Yeah, he's getting involved more, especially as teams are running more 12 personnel against Kansas City. He's going to be forced to play more. Um, you know, the Chiefs don't like to run that base 4-3, but when you have 12 personnel on the offensive side, it kind of dictates that. Um, so Leo's been playing more, and he's been pretty darn good. Um I would like to see him grow more in pass coverage, which I think we will see because, again, the athleticism is there. But he's become a really good rotational guy. You know, Willie Gay Jr., as you mentioned, being a little down in pass coverage this season has thrown a wrench into things. But I have liked the growth of of Leo. And as Angry Drunken German says, he's gone from raw project to reliable rotational guy. That's a great thing to have from him. I mean, that that is a huge progression because you're right. He was a very raw project. Another finding great use for him. Yeah, and the Chiefs have some very tough decisions in this offseason, not only contracts like MVS and Justin Reed, but Willie Gay, his contract's up. And having Leo Chanel probably makes you feel a little better at about letting him walk. I know they're not the exact same player, but you don't want to leave the cupboard bare when it comes to that linebacker room. Number 15, another one of my guys. I know he's one of uh, Sterling's guys, too. I almost called you Stuart. I've never done that before. I don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, my bad there. Jarek McKinnon. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Jarek McKinnon, this old, reliable, pass blocks his ass off, is elite in the the red zone, great hands, uh, a real great interview, great in the locker room, just can't say enough about this guy. He he's a running back, right? A part-time running back and he's missed a lot of the season. So, and has, I don't know if missing a lot of the season is right. He's been kind of put on layaway as we like to say. So I just couldn't get him any higher than 15. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if 15 is pretty darn high for a second slash third string running back, a uh, great arm, by the way, to throw the touchdown pass. Yeah. That counts as a throw that little pop pass to Rasheed Rice, which, by the way, did you hear they've always ran that as a handoff, but he wanted the he wanted to make sure Rashi got the uh, touchdowns through the air and not on the ground. And so they he you know how if that goes wrong, which it almost did, how pissed do you think Andy Reid would have been? That would have been an all time ream 
from for, from Andy to those two guys. But didn't happen. Touchdown happened. Uh, everything's all good. But Jerry McKinnon, you're right. He is the little personal bodyguard to Patrick Mahomes. And he does see the, the field in the red zone like a quarterback. And that's what we've been asking. You know, when we want players to be more Patrick friendly, right? Rasheed mm-hmm. Rice is getting there. It's the second play. It's what do you see? Do you understand the soft spots? What do you see from the defense, the nuances? And Jerry McKinnon has that. And that's why he's been such a, a great threat once the Chiefs get into the red zone. Yeah, you mentioned that decision to throw the ball instead of hand it off and Andy Reid. I often think about Travis Kelsey and his lateral fetish. Uh, you know, going to give Andy Reid a heart attack. Um, but I think the Chiefs' ability to improv is one of the things that when they're at their best makes them special, gives them some flair and some confidence. So you don't want to take that away from them. Number, man, I'm out of order here. What am I doing? Yeah, I was wondering that on the show sheet. Yeah, we have a show sheet, guys. Come on. This is not just all off the cranium, all of the top of the dome. We're just... We're just going to make these two guys tied. You went twelve. You went 15, 12, 14, 13, which now as a non-mathematician, a little confused by, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot of moving parts on this advent calendar, but let's just do this. At number 14, let's, they're very close. Let's have a tie between Mike Dana and Charles and Minahue, both edges. Oh, bleep you, dude. Oh, bleep you. Mike Dan has been more you, valuable you than gotta, Charles O this season. You oh, bleep you. you no, no. Okay, Taylor Swift. I'm Kanye. I, you were great and all, but I'm not letting you finish. I'm going to let you finish. Because no, you're not putting them. Mike Dana, perpetually the unsung hero of this team. I don't know why I did a little Danny Tommy DeVito over here going on. You're not doing that to me. I get, I get riled up. When you don't give Mike Dana the credit he deserves. He's pretty high on this list. And I think the argument for Aminahu, who isn't even the highest edge on this list, is he has the highest pass rush win rate of the group. And that's both regular and true pass sets. How many games? Come on now. I, I docked him for suspension. That's why he's he's you rated. Him three or something? Come on. Best? He, he is our most talented edge. That is... I think that's a fact. And I, I I think Mike Dana is terrific. He gives us all every single play. He's stout against the run, but he's not as talented as a Minihue, and he's not as productive as Karloftis. If yeah. we're looking if we're he's looking at things like productive as Karloftis, but come on now. Canarius Tony is more talented than Justin Watson, but who's been better this year? Well, and Minihue's been pretty good when he plays. I mean, he's been, he's been pretty good. I know. It may be a bad comp, but the point is I I think Mike Dana, because of where he was drafted, because he doesn't shine, because he's just a good old motor guy, bring your lunch pail to work, he never gets the credit he deserves. All he does is produce solid numbers. Again, we're not talking Miles Garrett, but he's been so good as a fifth rounder, and I was so wrong on him. Like I, I was so confused when the Chiefs drafted him. Like This guy, I see what they see in him. He does everything that is asked and more. He is the glue. He's a necessity. Mike Dana has got to be, in my opinion, above Charles O. Sorry about it. Well, I think the best case you can make here is based on expectations. I mean, Hugh does have, I thought he was a good value as a free agent, but his contract is no doubt much bigger than Mike Dana's. So I think that is a pretty decent argument. Let's finish up the edges here at 13 with, George Karloftis. Now we're all we're all out of whack now. That that's going to be number 12, George Karloftis. And again, not the most flashy guy, but extremely dependable. And he's having a very solid season. He's showing up for the Chiefs. He's kind of shored up that rotation. I've been impressed. He looks a little faster this year, too. Haven't you 
seen a little bit of improved athleticism. I know that's hard to do, but. Well, yeah, because who would have thought that a 21-year-old drafted guy who was young and fairly inexperienced coming from Greece, who was still learning the game. Yeah, who would have thought he would have a little bit more upside? I never understood that. Why was Boye Mafa all of a sudden this oh, untapped potential? And yet Karloff is the younger guy who's coming from Greece. All of a sudden, he's a finished product. I get it. I get what you're saying. You're saying more athleticism-wise, I'm with you. But this is also, he's getting older. He's understanding the game, the pace, the flow. He's learning, man. I, You know me. Huge Carl Loftus guy. I loved him before he was drafted to Kansas City. I thought it made a lot of sense because he was a day one ready guy. He's young. You saw the upside, the strength, the motor. Um, yeah, man, I... 12 for Karloftis is just about right, but I'm a huge Karloftis guy. This was a tough group to evaluate because you have a Minihu who's very talented, flashes, is super disruptive when you put him inside. And I feel like he wins early, which is the big difference between him and the two other guys. But Karloftis and Dana are extremely uh, dependable, reliable, down in, down out. They're consistent. They uh, are just solid in every possible way. So I think we lean Karloftis here because of production, right? He's, he's had the best production. He's been there every game. He gets a nod. 11. Now, this was a tough one for me, but Trey Smith, I think it's a little bit of a down year as evidenced by some struggles last week with uh, uh, Christian Barmore, right? The, uh, the stud defensive tackle for the Patriots that a lot of guards, frankly, would struggle with but he's still been an essential cog in what I consider to be the league's best interior O-line. And there's been more positive than negative with Trey Smith. Speaking of that interior O-line, what a beautiful sight it was to see those three guys pull as a convoy. And they were like running 25, 30, 35 yards down, down field in unison with Clyde Edwards Alaire right behind them. It was, it was amazing, right? Oh, it was, no one wanted to get in front of that. No, no defender is like, oh yeah, look at, look at 900 pounds of, of dudes running towards me. No, that was miserable. Full steam ahead. Uh, on that play specifically to Trey Smith, if he would have got that guy, uh, Clyde probably would have had a touchdown. He, he just didn't see him. I, I think actually Trey Smith, I would move him closer to 13, 14. I'd have Dana and Carl Loftus above him. I, I think he's had a, frankly, a down year, which is too bad. You're right. There's been a lot of good too, but there's been too much bad in my opinion. The penalties have seemingly started to rise. I don't know if it's because folks are zoning in on what Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor are doing. That could be the case. But um, I think all things considered, he's had a down year, at least based on my expectations for him. I think the penalties are exactly that. You play next to Jawan Taylor, who was both a marked man and can't seem to get his shit together when it comes to false starts. There's going to be more scrutiny. Uh, you're going to be under more scrutiny as, as Trey Smith. There's, there's our doodle buddy. I don't know. I've got one too, but I don't know if she is. Um, and Trey Smith is, is a fan favorite, so you can never go wrong ranking him highly. Let's move on to number 10. And that's another tie. Linebackers, Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil. I had a hard time picking, especially with Bolton missing games. He's a, he's a rock against the run. He's the leader of the D, and he keeps improving in coverage. Then you have Tranquil, who is excellent in pass coverage generally, and he's an elite blitzer. I mean, that guy can blitz his ass off. 17 pressures and a PFF pass rush grade of 85 Spags loves sending him. I, I think this year his his favorite blitzers, his blitzers of choice are Tranquil and McDuffie, it seems like. Yeah, you're right, man. And that's going to be a nightmare for offenses to try and pick up. Definitely. Um, I, I think you're, you're right here, though. I would say it's a tie as well. Uh, even from a Mizzou guy who loves Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil has been phenomenal in all facets. He's gotten better. He's not Nick Bolton stopping the run, but he's gotten better. He looks to be uh, a little heavier than he has been in the past, maybe a little bit more physical. But but yeah, man, he's so good as a weapon because the versatility is is second to none. 
your ability to, to keep that thought going as your dog was like trying to lick your face and all that, that was like Mahomes in the pocket, just not going to be brought down, not oh, going to be sacked. You're getting the playoff no matter what, right? Defenders all around me, hands to the face by the dog, didn't matter. Um, yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, it's only during this show, Tuesday show, he's like, nah, man, I'm asleep. Wednesday show with best, good old Bailey boy is like, uh, oh, yeah. Let's bleep and party, dude. Well, she it's a he? It's a he, yeah. Well, I have a girl dog who's also a doodle. I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe there's an attraction there or something. Yeah, yes. We have to play matchmaker. I like you said girl dog is like, like girl dad. I like that about you best. I like that. Number nine, kicker Harrison Butker. He's been fantastic, especially coming off a year last year where, where kind of oddly, a lot of Chiefs fans wanted him gone. And really the problem was that ankle that he hurt in that Cardinals game. It took him a while to get right. I think by the end of the season and in the playoffs, he obviously was right. But you have him making 34 of 34 extra points and 25 out of 26 field goals. It's just hard to do better than that. But this is as high as I can place a kicker on a playoff team. Yeah, I would have gone higher, uh, closer, probably to five, six. Um, Butker's been nails, man. He is such a weapon. And I talk about because I do I do a weekly chat with Nick Lowry, um, former Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker. And, um, you know, we, we talk about Butker all the time. And we talked last year how it's it's the injury and not just physical. It, it, there's a mental side of things. You have to eventually learn how to trust that ankle yet again, because Lowry had a similar situation happen. Right. Mm-hmm. You have the you have the surgery and the construction and all of a sudden you, you got to learn how to trust it. And at times even redo what you're used to doing because it feels different. Um, and, and we talked actually about his one miss against uh, New England. It's, he said part of it's the field. Because I noticed, you know how he kept going to one knee like he's Adrian Beltre? Like, you know, Adrian Beltre, the, the third baseman, used to always go to one knee sometimes when he was hitting balls. Butker did it a few times in that game, and I was wondering why. He goes, it's because it's turf and not grass. It's a different feel. You don't have the same uh, kicking motion, like the same plant. It just feels – it's not as natural. And that's why he thinks he missed the first one, especially push it outright, because it was a good kick as far as it wasn't hooked, it wasn't snapped, wasn't sliced. It was pure just out to the right because you couldn't get your foot through. And that's why he learned and that 54, 54 yarder was nails. So that was a little interesting uh, kicker knowledge that I that I learned from from Nick. And I thought it was very interesting. It's a thought I've never mulled over before is getting a kickoff early in a game under pressure. So in that live environment, a kicker can kind of get a feel for the field because you're right. Different fields have different grip. And uh, let's hope that he got his miss out in the regular season. So he'll continue to be ice cold in a good way in the playoffs. Number eight, running back Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's been good everywhere. We've seen the evolution of his game from a guy that was just kind of a hard nosed runner to now he's making some guys miss. He's got good hands. His pass protection has improved leaps and bounds. He's 15 in, uh, 15th in rushing yards over expected. And there's a whole host of stats where he, if you look at running backs, I mean, he's in the top 15, if not top 12 in almost every category. And he's been a quasi bell cow with Jarek McKinnon kind of being held out due to his age, load management situation. Yeah, he's been really good. I, I think sometimes some of the extremely explosive plays might be lacking with him, but yeah. that, 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 that's okay. I mean, again, you're, you're a, a seventh round you know, running back. It's okay. The physicality is what he brings to the table. But yeah, I'm with, with Phantom here and some of those, those, those uh, comments, just the physicality he delivers, especially with that banged up shoulder already, makes me nervous. He's an older running back as far as I know not how long he's been in the NFL, but as far as his age compared to how long he's been in the NFL, I don't, you never want to say a guy's injury prone or how long does he have, but with that running style, you don't see many dudes last a long time. Um, I hope he finds a way to, to lessen those blows because maybe instead of getting that extra yard, 
go out of bounds, save yourself, because he is a very talented running back. And we love seeing those hits, but at times, is it really worth it? You hit the exact same shoulder you had labrum surgery on. You got to clean up some floaters. Now you're back this week. Um, you know, I was talking to Tim Grunard about it. He said it was, was it bursitis was what he heard from the organization. Um, he goes, you know, Joe Montana had it on his elbow. And so it's very, very painful. But a lot of times it's stuff you deal with for an extended period of time. You have to continuously get that drained. Now, hopefully he will not have to do that, but, um, just something to monitor going forward of, of how healthy that shoulder will be, not just for the Raiders, but against the, the season as it goes on and into next year. Yeah, I would like to see him run into contact a little less. There's no need for him to be Gus Edwards. He's one of the faster running backs in the league. He he had the best 40 time in his class. Now, I think he's you're right. He's not as explosive as some of the guys that were picked earlier than him in his draft class, like Brees Hall, like James Cook, like Rashad White, those guys that can catch a pass and and house it. You know, that's not really in his repertoire, but he, he brings a lot to the table and he can kind of grind down a defense in a way I don't think those other guys can. I mean, when it is this time of year and it's frigid out there on the field, he is not a guy you want to tackle in the fourth quarter. I think that matters in the playoffs, having, having a punisher out there. Yeah, it's a mini Derrick Henry. Mini Derrick Henry. I, I like that. Number seven, another one of my guys. He really has, I would say he's literally saving the Chiefs season with the way he stepped up. And that is wide receiver Rasheed Rice. He is 13th in target rate. He is 11th in yards per route run, third in yak, and second in yak per catch, only behind Debo Samuel. And in, in, in overall yards after the catch, he's only behind Jamar Chase and Tyreek Hill. So elite company there, just can't sing his praises enough. We're seeing some big boy routes out of him too. Some stuff more downfield, some over the shoulder stuff. Uh, we're just seeing him slowly develop into more of an all around receiver. And what I liked last week is we saw him kind of sit down in the middle of the field and where some of these other wide receivers get antsy there was a hole in the coverage there. And even though Mahomes was running around, he just sat down, showed some patience, showed some willpower and, and uh, became the zone buster that Mahomes needed on that play. I think that's the guy that Mahomes needs. He has earned his quarterback's trust as a quarterback friendly receiver. Uh, I could just go on and on and on about rice because in, you know, in, in light of these other guys just being massive disappointments, he stepped up. Yeah, he played 92% of snaps last week, which you love to see. He's still learning on the fly, as we've seen in games. I th- it was the, the previous game, not against the Patriots, but when he, when he caught the touchdown, he had a similar one in the end zone where he, did, he flattened his route out too much. Right. He didn't give Mahomes a great a great angle. And then what happened the second time around? He gave Mahomes an angle and it was a touchdown. He's learning in game as well. And he's been forced to because MVS, Justin Watson, to an extent, your veterans, Kadarius Tony, guys you counted on, have not been able to step up. So if they're not stepping up, throw with this guy who's more talented, but maybe doesn't know the playbook quite as well, the nuances, and he's found ways to get it done. Uh I I would be uh hard pressed. To, to understand even the, the debacle this wide receiver room would be in without Rishi Rice. I mean, seriously, think of that. That This would be mm-hmm. beyond atrocious. Um, Rishi Rice has been everything and more. Quite frankly, I did not think he would be this good this early. And the fact he's playing more X, more on the outside, actually is going to bring more dividends for Kansas City because that would allow Sky Moore to go back to his natural position. Again, not this year, obviously, as he's placed in the IR, but Sky Moore is not – horrendous in the slot. He's just horrendous when he tries to play on the outside in the X. Yeah. And you still want to get him in there and get his reps at power slot, but you really want to see him be a guy that can move outside and beat man as well. The biggest knock on him this year is his average depth of target. It's very low at 4.8. I think that's a byproduct of him playing in the slot and also the coaches kind of keeping the training wheels on for much of the season. Uh, a lot of screens, a lot of ways to get the ball in his hands and get him in space. 
but also MVS and Justin Watson are running all the downfield routes. There are no downfield routes available. And I would expect that to change next year, but we might need to recalibrate expectations. I've always thought he's a power slot. I've always thought he's more say you were on that dude. You, you nailed that one. I think he's more Amon Ross St. Brown than he is Mike Evans. And that's okay. You know, he doesn't need to be a contested catch merchant to win in the 2020s. We see a lot of guys with his utilization. I mean, Cooper cup, I'm not saying he's Cooper cup yet, but that's how Cooper cup wins. Cooper cup isn't catching, you know, 60 yard bombs. He is getting open in space at will and racking up yak. We could uh, wax poetic about Rasheed Rice saving this team in this room all day. We won't. Number six, center Creed Humphrey. Very minor down year for him. But I think he's still dominating for the most part, especially in the passing game. And that's what matters to the Chiefs most. This is still, I mean, the Chiefs are running better, seem to be running a bit more. This is still very much Patrick Mahomes' team. He has an elite uh, ESPN pass block win rate. I mean, there's not much to say here. He's a rock. Yeah, I mean, again, when you say down year, it's the same thing from Mahomes. Still incredible. Still top three, top two, and maybe even one. Creed Humphrey, as you mentioned, is a rock. That is the best way to put it. Um, man, I I am... I was a little concerned when you draft a center in the second round. I'm like, if you draft a center in the second round, that guy better be a pro bowler. Well, he's better than a pro bowler. He's an, he's an all pro, uh, all pro type of guy. Um, man, Creed Humphrey is just so impressive. And I've come to an understanding with that draft pick as well as picking Bolton in the second round. You do that. So you don't have to pay uh, a center of the kind of contract that, uh, who's the guy that went out to the Chargers that they threw like $20 million a year to? Was it Corey Lindsley? Right. And then you have Fred Warner out in in San Francisco. Now, Fred Warner's probably worth it, but you, most middle linebackers you don't want to give that kind of cash to. Anthony Hitchens was overpaid. I think the Chiefs didn't want to make that mistake again. So drafting non-premium positions in the second round to keep kind of the cost for those rooms down or that position down, that seems like a viable strategy at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. Number five is a tie. Wanted to get these guys higher, but this is as high as I could get them. Corners, Legere Steed and Trent McDuffie. For my money, the best corner duo in football this season. And they hold opposing wide receiver ones to a league low 50 yards per game. So that's just not us being homers. There is actual statistical evidence that they're getting it done. They are locking down elite receivers like Justin Jefferson, like Tyreek Hill, like A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown had like one catch for eight yards. That's insane. So I'd go higher. I I would put him at two. I mean, seriously, because what they have done, they've been, in my opinion – in my opinion, I think they've been more valuable than Chris Jones. In my opinion, they've been more valuable than even probably Travis Kelsey. The, the only person I think is, is probably Patrick Mahomes. Um, Legereus and Trent McDuffie have been that good. We have not seen a cornerback tandem play like this. I mean, Brandon Flowers and Brandon Carr were great, obviously, but they weren't like this. This is unbelievable. I have never seen a tandem like this that I can remember again, I'm, I'm young here, 29 in chiefs history. Phenomenal. For me, it reminds me of like prime peak James hasty and Dale Carter. And, and I, yeah. I, I, I loved that duo. And this is definitely the best duo we've had since them. And honestly, they have the potential to exceed that duo. At this point, you have to bring LeJerry Sneed back. I just think it's a no brainer. I was a little bit worried about the knee coming in. and Well, you know, Bess, that's why you don't give 20 mil per year to a right tackle. You, you now, folks now understand my concern. <laughs> or, or what's going to be 15 million to a strong safety next year. I mean, yeah, yeah. Positional value, guys. I have a surprise for you at number two. 
we will get to that in a second. First off, number four, defensive tackle Chris Jones. This is kind of becoming a trend. Another guy that's still dominant, still excellent, still a, a cornerstone type player, but his numbers are down a little bit. And you have to wonder if that's because he missed some time. He's fourth among defensive tackles in pressure, uh, second in sacks, not quite having that Aaron Donald-esque season that he had last year. Yeah, he, he seemingly is getting doubled and tripled more. Than, I, I haven't had the stats. I haven't looked them up to, to back this claim up. I, mean, I apologize. But it feels like when I'm watching games, defenses are really focused on making sure he is not the guy that beats him. So that's why you have seen a lot more one-on-ones for Mike Dana and Carl Loftus and Charles Aminahu. And that's why you've seen the sack numbers for Dana and obviously Carl Loftus, in my opinion. They've gone up. They've gone up. It's because they're getting these one-on-ones. Chris Jones is allowing that to happen. So again, he, he's impacting the game in a different way. You'd still like to see him split those double teams potentially a little bit more than you than you uh, have seen so far. I don't think the the time off at this point of the season has been a hindrance to him. I don't. This point of the season, he he's he's fully engaged, right? Um, but he yeah, still again, has those stretches too. I, I thought last game there was a, like a three play stretch where he kind of wrecked the Patriots' offense. He did and, and forced a punt, and he's so he's still capable of of just showing up on that level and short circuiting an offense. I think we just need to see a little bit more, a little bit more of it if the Chiefs want to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, or if he wants that money. If you want Aaron Donald money, we don't care if you're getting double teamed. You got to still make it happen. Right. Number three, tied in Travis Kelsey. This hurt me. This hurt me to put him at three. Still great, but year over year, yards after the catch is down almost a yard. His contested catch rate. This surprised me. It's down 15%. I think he's lost some juice. He visibly looks slower. He looks like he's in pain out there. You see him on the sidelines. He doesn't look like he's as boisterous, like he's enjoying himself as much. He looks just banged up and like he's kind of uh, just, you know, it's great at this point. He's kind of just working his way through it. And the explosive plays, they're more rare. Now, he's still as good as any tight end in the league. And a lot of that is just a ridiculous feel for the game and a lot of know-how. But I think we're starting to see him slow down little by little. Yeah, I I mean, he's still the best tight end in football, which is absolutely crazy. We're talking about a down year, and he's still the best tight end in football, still on pace to go over a K. I'm with you. He does look a little tired. You know, maybe not as much fun as being had by him, but I don't know if anyone's having a lot of fun in the wide receiver room right now or the pass catchers room, if you will, if you include the tight ends here. So I think that's a part of it, right? When all these guys are struggling to catch the rock, I think it brings everyone down. Um, He's getting older, man. Father time comes for everyone. He's still very, very effective. Um, I, yeah, I still think he's a couple years left in the tank. Uh, maybe you don't see him go for 1,300 yards. Maybe you see him go for 1,100. That's still perfectly viable as a tight end in the NFL. I think what's happened is there used to be a massive gap between him as number one and the number two tight end, which has been a, a whole list of guys, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, George Kittle. He was way ahead of that pack. But I think some of these young bucks – like TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta. Kittle's having a good year. Maybe the gap has closed a little bit. I still think he's the best. Man, I would really like to have a bye just to get him a week off because in the past, we've said this before, it looks like Travis Kelsey is slowing down. And what what happened is the guy was beat up and he's such a warrior. He's so tough that he's not going to miss games. He's not going to complain about it, but he will struggle through it a little bit. I would like to see him get an extra week off. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. No, no. It, it would be nice because ever since OTA's training camp preseason, he's been perpetually banged up, it feels like. Uh, love this, though, from Oregon Fishing before we move on. It says, Kelsey is still hurting and is getting mauled every game. If there haven't been so many issues in the wide receiver room, he would be fine. Yeah, I mean, when no one else is stepping up, teams are going, all right, 
will play one guy very physical with him in the line of scrimmage and then bracket him with a guy over the top. So he's not getting open. He's not getting the ball and you're getting beat up every single play that will take a toll on you. What I would compare it to, and there's only one other player that I think has, has received this treatment. That's Rob Gronkowski. I would compare it to Hackashack. Yeah. The, uh, the referees and officials let defenders get away with an extra level of physicality with Travis Kelsey that, that other players you know, would get calls, but the, the, the mugging of him is so constant that I, I think it's been normalized and they let defenders get away with it. it it's kind of a bummer actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and th- that flop was bad though. I have to, I have to throw that out there. Yeah, no, that, was, that was a nice little LeBron James flop. He, uh, he pulled out right there. That was a Vladi Divac special. That's a little bit before, before <laughs> yours. Oh, 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 Vladi baby. Don't, don't you don't you don't you question me on my early 2000s Sacramento Kings knowledge with Chris Webber and Jason Williams and Doug Christie and Vladi Divac? Okay, don't and Paige Stojakovic. Come on now, there's your that, starting five for you. Th- that team was a lot of fun. My favorite thing about Vladi Divac is allegedly he never quit smoking, which is just amazing to be an NBA player playing 82 games a year, running up. And down the court, you know, needing to be in cardiovascular shape and and still smoking. Hmm. Number two, are you ready for what's essentially the Christmas Eve of our list of our Arrowhead Addict Advent Calendar? Oh yeah, offensive guard Joe Tooney. Yeah, you're wrong, but it's, it's I'm, fine. I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong because you're telling. Unlike, unlike Chris Jones, unlike Travis Kelsey. And probably even unlike Trent McDuffie and LeJarrius Sneed, he's the best guard in football. He's first among guards in PFF pass blocking grade and ESPN pass block win rate. And I think in a pass happy league, he's the most valuable guard in football. That's why I have him number two. He's the guy that has the claim to be at the top of his position, along with obviously who's going to be our number one. And that's why I gave him the nod here. I, I would go with Legereus and Trent personally. Uh, I'd probably put Travis and Chris as well. I, Joe Tooney's been the most valuable offensive lineman for Kansas City. I, I would put him over Creed Humphrey. I'll give you that one. Um, he's been so good, man. You're right. The Iron Man aspect, the consistent nature. You know game in and game out what you are going to get. And by the way, again, I wonder how hard that is on him. You're, you go from Donovan Smith to now Wanye Morris, a rookie. Hasn't skipped a beat. Hasn't mattered. Joe Tooney, you're right. He, he's been the best offensive lineman for Kansas City this season. Again, I'm not putting him above Trent or Legereus, but I'm not going to argue with you too much. And he's the reason they can moneyball left tackle. He gives them so much confidence in, in, in having an anchor next to whether it's Donovan or Wanye or, who, or whoever. Orlando Brown Jr. in the past, they feel much more secure having him out there. And people joke around about him being an android or a friendly Terminator or whatever, because the man does not make mistakes. And one of the reasons I put him on number two is maybe it's because he doesn't have as big of a personality as Creed and Trey Smith, but this guy is criminally underrated by the fan base. I don't see too many jerseys. I don't see people talking about him on social media, but he is one of the most important players on this roster. He has been so incredible one of the best free agent signings in in team in, in franchise history at this point. Yeah. No, I will not argue. We need some Toonie shirts. Gotta have it. Yeah, we need we need something. I don't know what we can work up there, but I would love to see that. Looney, Looney Toonie. Looney Tunes. Looney Toonie. There we go. I love it. Number one, our Christmas day on this list. It's not going to surprise anybody. It is quarterback. Patrick Mahomes. Oh, oh, sorry. That was Blaine Gabbert. Close call. I really thought about it to the end. Just at the last instant, I went with Mahomes. And it seems on the surface like Mahomes is having a down year. I don't think that's really the truth because what it is mainly is his receiving room has just been sandbagging him. But he's still fifth in EPA per play. He's first in DVOA, and that's defense adjusted value over average added via scrambling. He's been a more efficient scrambler scrambler than and more effective too than Jalen Hurts, uh, Josh Allen, anybody by a pretty comfortable margin. And that is a part of his game that just isn't discussed enough 
by really anybody outside of Kansas City. And really, if you think about it with no obvious MVP, the Chiefs are like three huge drops away from being 12 and two and him being the freaking front runner in this thing. Yeah, I was about to say, I wonder how we would be viewing Mahomes this season if a couple of those drops have not happened, especially in clutch moments. Um, it does seem like to his standards, he's having a little bit of a down year. But when you are Patrick Mahomes and you're held to those Mahomesian standards, it's tough to eclipse that year after year after year. If this is considered a down year for Mahomes, sign me the hell up because you're right. He has still been incredible. A lot of it does come down to the drops and uh, you can never take that back. And, and there needs to be a stat for interceptions that are not your fault because Kadarius Tony would be uh, um, taking at least two of those away. Blake Bell, bad throw, should not have thrown it, but Blake Bell got the ball ripped away from him like it was uh, me going up against Sauce Gardner. Like, come on, man. You're a, you're a tight end. You're like 6'3". Yeah, I, I don't need to see Blake Bell again running routes. He can go out there and block. Yeah, uh, you know, 13 personnel a little bit, but if you're going to get boxed out by a defensive back and you're this huge tight end, you have no use usefulness as a, a, a receiver. So I just think when we look back on the season, especially if he can get it going in the, in the playoffs and we're due some positive regression on some of these drops. I know these guys are who they are, but this would be almost a historic rate if it continued. So I expect things, especially with Rasheed Rice stepping up, I expect things to even out a little bit. And then we know what happens in the playoffs. Patrick plays, uh, he kind of throws caution into the wind and scrambles even more. I think he's going to be a scrambling fool in the playoffs, just running for his life and trying to make things happen with his legs. Over his dead body. We're going we're gonna to see that. We're going to see that. And we're also going to see probably, not for sure, but road Patrick Mahomes. And I kind of like the idea of that. I want him to get a little bit of a chip back on his shoulder, uh, playing the underdog, a, w- a weird place to be for the Chiefs, but I, I, I kind of dig it a little bit. Mm. Well, guys, that is all we have for you on this special Christmas edition of Wacky Wednesday. First off, big props to the chat. We appreciate you. Before you roll out, do us a favor and mash that like button. That really helps us out. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, what are you doing? That is your Christmas present from you to us. Please subscribe. We're really growing fast and we want to grow faster. If you're an audio listener, either on Apple or, or Spotify, please consider dropping us a five-star rating that helps us reach a larger audience. Until then, Merry Christmas and go Chiefs. Have yourself a merry, merry Christmas. Have yourself a good time.